Meeting Mr. Henry from Finding Buck McHenry by Alfred Sloat. 11-year-old Jason Ross has always played on the Bayer Machine baseball team. During the last practice game of the spring, Jason is called out. The coach says it's because Jason daydreams about baseball cards instead of thinking about the game. The coach also says that a new Little League team will be forming and that one member of the Bayer machine will go to that team. Jason feels terrible when he learns that he's the one. Two years ago, when I was in third grade, my family moved across town. I don't go to Everwood School anymore, but I remembered Mr. Henry, the custodian there, real well. He was a tall, gray-haired old man who always had a friendly word for everyone as he pushed his broom down the hall. He knew every kid's name, too. I doubted he'd remember me now, though. Mr. Henry was sitting by the back door of the school. The school's up a slight hill past center field. It was like center field bleachers in Tiger Stadium. If Mr. Henry had been out there a while, he probably had seen our intra-squad game. Hi, Mr. Henry, I said. I got some bases for you. I see that, boy, he got up, and I thank you for bringing him up here. That's okay. He peered down at me. Say, aren't you the one made that last out? I felt my face turn red all over again. This just wasn't my day. Yes, sir. He laughed. Well, you sure run a lot harder picking up those bases than you run to first. Did you think I was out, Mr. Henry? You were out by four feet, four big feet. You stayed in that batter's box so long, I thought the train was going to leave without you. I laughed. It was funny how he put it. It didn't hurt. I guess maybe I was out. You were out all right, but you got the right attitude. Bouncing back like you did, running hard to pick up bases. I always said you can't keep a good man down. All right, you can give me those bases now and head on back to your team. I looked back at the diamond. They were still there. I'd have to go back for my bike and glove. Better to hang out here till they were gone. I didn't want any more. See us. I can take the bases into the gym for you, Mr. Henry. That's nice of you, son, but your coach is going to be mad at you if you don't get back right away. I'll take them from you. I held on tight to the bases. He's not my coach anymore. I tried to sound cheerful about it. He just cut me from the team. I don't want to go back there till they're gone. Mr. Henry's lips pursed in a surprised, silent whistle. He cut you? Yes, sir. For not beating out that ground ball? I guess so. His tongue made tsk-tsk sounds against his front teeth. Well, that's how it goes sometimes. Sometimes they cut the best along with the worst. Thanks, but I'm not the best. You aren't the worst either. He held the back door open for me. I've seen lots better ball players than you cut from ball clubs. I marched into the school with my arms full of bases. I could hear the sounds of the adult basketball game coming from the gym. You ever hear of Willie Mays, boy? Ace 675, I said. What's that? 
That's the number of my 1955 Mays baseball card. It's a pretty valuable card. It's not worth near as much as a 1952 Mickey Mantle, but it's worth a lot. How come? How come what? How come Willie Mays isn't worth as much as Mickey Mantle? I don't know. Nobody ever asked me that before. It wasn't the kind of thing you ever thought about. It was enough to know the prices of baseball cards. They were always changing. Willie Mays was a greater player, wasn't he? They played the same position in the same years, didn't they? Willie Mays had better numbers, didn't he? Mr. Henry was challenging me. I wondered what he was so upset about. I think Mays did have better stats than Mattel. Well, if Willie Mays had better numbers than Mickey Mantle, and he was a better ball player, how come his cards worth less? I don't know. You ought to find out. You've got to think about those things, young man. You've got to ask yourself, how come things are the way they are? Jim Davis, who owned the grandstand, would know, I thought. I'd stop there on the way home and ask him. Willie Mays was the greatest center fielder who ever lived, Mr. Henry said emphatically. If he was so great, Mr. Henry, how come he got cut? Mr. Henry blinked. Then he laughed. You come back with a good pitch, boy. Well, you said he got cut. He did get cut, and they were right to cut him. Who cut him? The New York Giants when he first came into the major leagues. Willie was striking out all the time. He was too anxious to show the New York folks that he'd be as good up there as he'd been with the Birmingham Black Barons. The Birmingham who? The Birmingham Black Barons. Willie played center field for them when he was 16. Mr. Henry's voice turned soft as he began to remember. Willie Mays was a boy among men way back then. But you could see the greatness in him already. He could run like a deer, hit like a mule, and throw you out from deep center field. He could do it all. It was there from the beginning. I saw it with my own eyes. I stared at Mr. Henry. He'd seen Willie Mays play when he was 16? Willie Mays was put on earth to play baseball. Not football, not basketball, just baseball. It was in his chromosomes. You know what chromosomes are, boy? They're what makes us look like our parents. That's right. Well, Willie Mays had chromosomes for baseball. Wow, the Black Barons were good, but when he played for them, Willie made them great. I never heard of them. That right? He didn't seem surprised. You probably never heard of the Kansas City Monarchs, neither. No, sir. Or the Homestead Grays? I shook my head. Or the best of them all, the Pittsburgh Crawfords. Was he making these teams up? I went on shaking my head. Josh Gibson caught for the Crawfords. Now I suspect you may have heard of Josh Gibson. I was really embarrassed. No, sir. This was kind of awful. I had over 2,000 baseball cards, and there wasn't a Josh Gibson on any of them, nor a Crawford, nor a Homestead Gray. Josh Gibson was only the greatest hitter who ever lived. That's all he was. Was he a better hitter than Willie Mays, Mr. Henry? Yes, he was. He was better than Hank Aaron, better than Mickey Mantle, Ted Williams, better than Pete Rose, George Brett, Wade Boggs, your Consecos and Strawberries. 
better than any of your players today. You name them, and Josh was better than. Better than Ty Cobb and Babe Ruth. Why, I saw Josh hit a home run out of Yankee Stadium. Up and over and out of it. Now, Babe Ruth, great as he was, and I'm not denying his greatness, Babe Ruth never did that. Mr. Henry looked at me under my load of bases. They were getting heavy. I was hoping he'd offer to take them again, but he didn't. I expect you have heard of Satchel Paige. Finally, I'd heard of someone beside Willie Mays. Sure, he pitched for the Cleveland Indians. I had a 1949 Satchel Paige, Ace 129. Well, before Satchel pitched in the so-called big leagues, he pitched for the Pittsburgh Crawfords. And Josh Gibson was his catcher. What a pair they were. Old Josh in his rocking chair squat and Paige firing those bullets. I tell you, another great one was on the Crawfords those years. Cool Papa Bell. You hear of him? Here we go again, I thought. No, sir, I said. Fastest man ever to play the game. Cool Papa was so fast, he'd often get hit by his own line drives. I laughed. Mr. Henry stopped walking. He stopped so suddenly, I bumped into him with the bases. We were smack in the middle of the school where the two main corridors intersected. What's your name, boy? Jason Ross? You don't look familiar. You go to school here? I used to. We moved when I was in third grade. I go to Sampson Park School now. That's okay. It doesn't matter where you go so long as you go. Now, Jason Ross, you set those bases down. Here? That's right. Right there on the floor. I didn't hesitate. I set down the bases on the floor and rubbed my arms and wrists to get the circulation back. Mr. Henry didn't notice. He had taken a key from his big key ring attached to his belt and was unlocking a closet door that said on the front, Mac Henry, custodian. You know why you run so slow to first, Jason Ross? No, sir. You stood there at the plate looking at where you hit the ball. The second he said that, I knew that was just what I had done. I'd stood there watching Art back up on my ground ball. Nobody in this world can run and look at the same time. He rummaged around in the closet and came out with a long push broom. Had I brought dirt in with my spikes? I didn't see any, though I probably shouldn't be wearing baseball shoes inside the school. They could ruin the wax on the floors. Luckily, Mr. Henry hadn't spotted my shoes. You can see without looking. You've got to see without looking. He unscrewed the stick from the broom and tossed it at me. I caught it. It would have bopped me on the nose if I hadn't. I'm going to prove that to you, Jason Ross. That's your bet. He picked up two of the bases, leaving one near me. He marched down the hall with the other two and dropped one of them at his feet. All right, Jason Ross, he called down the hall to me. Step up to the plate. I didn't move. I wanted to know what he was going to do first. Come on, boy. I haven't got all day. That's home plate there. You just step up to it. He was standing about 60 feet from me. Jason, you are trying my patience. Get in there. Still, I didn't move. I don't like to do things unless I know why I'm doing them. Jason, he said softly, this lesson isn't going to hurt you any. It might even do you some good. Now get up there and get your bat back. What kind of lesson was he talking about? 
Well, there was only one way to find out. I stepped up to the plate. At least, no one was watching. Good. Now, get your front elbow up a bit. That's it. Now, boy, as soon as this imaginary ball arrives, you are going to hit an imaginary ground ball down that other corridor. That's where third base is. But you are not going to look once at where you hit the ball. You can see out of the corner of your eye where your ball went. You can see without turning your head to look. You are just going to run like the wind to this base, which is first base. You are going to run, Jason Ross, like there were hot coals under your feet. You understand me? Yes, sir. Get set now. I'm throwing smoke. And then, right there in the middle of Everwood School, old gray-haired Mr. Henry, the school custodian, went into a full wind-up. And as he did, something strange happened. He didn't look so old. He looked tall and young and powerful as he kicked high and came down over his head with a smooth motion and fired the imaginary ball. I swung. Run, he yelled. I ran. I didn't look down the other corridor where the imaginary ball went. I lifted my feet and ran hard and hit first base with my left shoe. The base slid far down the smooth waxed floor. Mr. Henry laughed and slapped me on the back. Now, if you'd move like that when you hit that ground ball, you'd still be on your team. You run like that, and you'll be getting your share of hits, and then some. He walked back to home plate. You know who you remind me of, son? I shook my head. Roy Campanella. You ever hear of him? Sure. He played with the Brooklyn Dodgers. I've got two ace Campanella cards. Well, before that, my friend, he played with the Baltimore Elite Giants and some other clubs. Just like Jackie Robinson, you've surely heard of him. Played with the Monarchs before he was signed by Mr. Branch Rickey and sent to Montreal. Campy now, he was chubby like you. And he was a catcher too. And he could beat out ground balls. How'd you know I was a catcher, Mr. Henry? I've seen you catching. Well, I don't catch very much. I don't play very much. You will if you hit. If you hit, they've got to play you. Now you go back and tell that coach of yours to give you another chance. Mr. Henry screwed the stick back into the broom and leaned it against the shelves of cleaning powder, wax, shelves of paper towels, toilet paper, soaps. Then he shut and locked the door that said, Mac Henry, custodian, on it. He picked up home plate. He won't give me another chance, Mr. Henry. I'm going to be on a new team. Well, then, you're just going to have to come back with your new team and beat that man's socks off. Speaking of which, boy, before you take another step, you take those spikes off. You're wrecking my floor. And with that, he went off toward the gym, carrying the bases as though they weighed nothing. I had to laugh. He just proved that you could see without looking. I walked out of the school in my socks. The team meeting was over. The diamond was empty. I sat down on the grass and put my shoes back on. Then I raced over to my bike and glove. I wanted to get down to the grandstand as fast as possible and check on those players and teams he'd mentioned. If they were real, those Crawfords and Monarchs and Black Barons and Cool Papa Bells and Josh Gibsons, then there'd be baseball cards for them. Jim Davis down at the grandstand was always saying... Truths in the cards. 
I believed that. I hurried down there.